0: Welcome, everybody. Come on in and find a seat. We have a, um, a packed morning, and I want to make sure we leave enough time. And I have uh, one housekeeping thing to take care of before I introduce. We'll have three different speakers this morning. But uh, wanted to make you aware we're going to be trying to take attendance in class, and so uh, we will have this. There's a little bit of a technology quiz this morning. <laughs> we have, we have uh, our... Our ushers with iPads. That it's super simple. You can type your last name, hit search, and it should pull up your family, touch that, and whichever members of your family are here, just check those and hit uh, the OK button or whatever the button says there, and that'll check you in. That'll hopefully make it easy to take attendance. We're trying to simplify. We'll see if this actually does that. Uh, But John and his crew will be there to answer questions if it's complicated as you as you get that. um, we have a treat this morning. We have three folks who are going to be taking part in our members' class this morning. If I had been able to keep my pace last week, I was I was about a page and a half short. Uh, in your members' notebook, on page four is where we left off, starting with an with outreach, and at the end of that section on page five, we talk about our missionaries and missions. And, uh, the intent was to finish that off last week, and then this week we have the treat of having the hunters with us. You saw their video this morning. And, uh, Herb's gonna come and start our class off. Uh, we're glad that he and Janet could take time to be with us this morning, but he's gonna tell us more about their ministry, and, uh, we wanna be able to know how to be praying for them and, and, uh, uh, be able to think about ways that we might be able to partner with them in ministry and then after that we're going to skip to uh so you're aware page six and our treasurer billy cochran is going to come up and he's going to go over some some of the details of finances here at cbc and then we'll finish off class with wayne albright our uh, security coordinator who will go over some of the uh, details about how security works here at cbc so with that herb come on and we look forward to hearing from you Alright, thank you. Appreciate that uh,
1: introduction. It's good to be with you this morning, or I, I guess, well, we're still the morning. I'm not used to starting at 9.30. We start at 11 back home, so it's afternoon by the time I'm finished. And uh, so it's great to be here. We've been looking forward to uh, this visit for the past month or so. Uh, if I seem a bit jet-lagged, I hope you'll forgive me. My family and I were in South Africa ...until Thursday this past week. We just got back. My sunburn is still peeling off from uh, South Africa. And uh, we were there to introduce our children to the mission field. My wife and I took a trip to visit missionaries that our church had supported. I was a pastor, senior pastor at our church in St. John. And we had gone to the mission field to visit some of our veteran missionaries there to encourage them to see how the work was going... And God used that trip to burden our hearts for the country of South Africa, specifically the city of Nizna. The city of Nizna is on the southern coast of South Africa, almost in the middle of the southern coastline of South Africa. It's a spectacularly beautiful place. I'd encourage you, once we get there, you all come visit. Not all at once, but come visit one by one. And uh, It's beautiful. There's beaches there. It's sunny uh, most of the year. It's on the Garden Route. And the garden root is so named because it's lush and green almost all year round, uh, there. It does get cool in the winter, like, you know, in the forties. Um, but that's about as cool as it gets. So, uh, you're, you'd certainly be welcome to come and visit with us. So God used that trip to visit our missionaries to direct our steps back. That was in August of 2014. We were there by March, April of 2015. Janet and I were convinced after prayer and seeking counsel from some godly leadership in our lives, we were convinced that God had us to go back there. So we surrendered to go. We were approved by Baptist Midmissions. We resigned from our church. We let our kids know what we were planning to do. We were uh, down at Baptist Midmissions in Cleveland for a week-long seminar there. And I officially finished the pastorate at the end of August in 2015. The first Sunday of September... I started doing what I'm doing today, speaking to churches about partnering with us for ministry work in South Africa, and that's what I've been doing ever since September of 2015. We are presently almost 60% supported for our work in South Africa, and we're anxious to get there. Our plan is to be finished up, Lord willing, to move this summer to the mission field of South Africa. So you pray for us, if you would, please. We'd greatly appreciate that. The best way to remember to pray for us is to get your hands on one of these little cards. I've left some at the desk at the Welcome Center there. I've also got some at my table here on the way out this afternoon. Please pick up one of these cards. This You'll see our smiling faces, and although I can't guarantee our weight will remain the same as it was on this picture, or that we will look the same in another four years' time, uh, this is a great way to remind you to pray for us, and we would greatly appreciate your prayers. We took our kids to the field to introduce them to the place that we told them uh, they were going to move to. All my kids are, well, with one exception, all my kids are teenagers. And so you can imagine how they received the news that we were going to move to Africa. So I wanted to take them there to just show them, I don't think it's what you think it is. Uh, you, I think they're thinking grass huts, you know, bones in the nose kind of thing. The Flintstones, I think that's what they were imagining. And so we went there to show them that Africa is not like that, at least not in South Africa. I tell people, if you want to think about the African continent, think of uh, South Africa is like the America of Africa, it's developed. We drove on paved roads with automobiles, electricity, internet, uh, groceries, virtually all the things you can get here. Uh, we can get in South Africa, including McDonald's, all right, if, if you're so inclined to do that. Uh, so it's a great, a wonderful place. God has burdened us for three particular emphases that I mentioned in the video this morning. Lord willing, we plan to be church planting. That's our main focus, is church planting, and we'll be planting a church on the western side of the uh, lagoon there. The Indian Ocean comes into Nizna, spills through a, a place called the Nizna Heads, and it opens up. Uh, ...into a larger body of water there in Naisna, And we'll be on the west side of the lagoon planting a church there. We're also going to be spearheading biblical counseling work. We hope to open a, a biblical counseling center uh, there in Naisna, ...where we can both practice and teach and model and network... ...with other biblical counselors in the country. I know uh, your pastor has a burden for that. And so that's what we intend to do there. And then finally, we also hope... Uh, to be involved in theological education. We're not sure exactly what that's going to look like yet, but some of the team that's gathering to come there have theological training, and so we're planning to get a school going where we can train South Africans in solid biblical theology. You know, Africa has, Africa has a lot of Christianity, and but a lot of what's going on in the name of Christ in Africa is a long piece off from biblical Christianity. And so we're hoping to go and help uh, nationals by training them in the Word of God and telling them exactly what it uh, says. So if you will pick up that card, our website is listed on there, hunters, the number two, southafrica.com. Uh, you can go to our website. You can see lots of family photos there. Learn a lot more detail ...about our ministry. You can learn about the ministry of Nizna Hope, which is uh, has been started. It's a non-governmental organization started by the missionaries who are present in Nizna right now. And uh, all the different aspects that are going on with the ministry of Nizna Hope. So pick up one of these prayer cards right at the table on your way out. They have all the information I think you'll ever want to know about us. And they'll be a big help to you uh, as you continue to pray for us. There's also a sign-up list there. If you're interested in receiving uh, regular prayer updates by email, you can sign up. We'll also snail mail them to you. If you don't have an email, we can do that as well. And you can sign up for our prayer letters at our website. So let me encourage you to take advantage of that. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I want to spend just a a few moments with you sharing a thought uh, from God's Word. As your pastor was speaking this morning, I thought, man, this is... This couldn't be any more perfect if we tried. And uh, I know he likes to plan, but we didn't plan this, all right? This wasn't part of the 10-year plan uh, that we that you guys are working on. Um, but in Philippians chapter 2, pastor was talking about Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus, he mentioned very near the end of the sermon. If you're paying close attention, you might have caught it. He mentioned that Epaphroditus came to Paul in Philippi, while Paul was in prison, to bring a gift from the Philippian church to present, really, to Paul. To say, look, Paul, we love you. Here's a financial gift to help you in your ministry as you uh, serve the Lord. And so Epaphroditus was appointed by the congregation in Philippi to take the gift to Paul and give it to him. We know that because in Philippians chapter 4, it says that in verse... 18, it says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So Epaphroditus brings this gift to Paul, and Paul comments on this gift by saying something that really is um, unusual. Your pastor mentioned it. He did an excellent job of explaining what it means, but right at the end of verse 30 he says paul writing about epaphroditus that epaphroditus nearly died for the work of christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me what was lacking in your service to me paul says look i know as a church you would all love to come from philippi to where i am in prison So we could visit and fellowship and you'd all like, you know, if you're all putting $20 into this gift that you're sending, you'd all like to come give me the 20 bucks yourself. I know that. But Paul says, since it's impossible for everybody to come see me in prison, thank you for sending Epaphroditus, who supplied what was lacking. He made up the deficit, missing you, not being with you, not being able to connect in person. Having Epaphroditus was like you all coming. So richly did I enjoy his fellowship. So welcome was he to me that he supplied what was lacking in your service to me. Now, in the book of Colossians, Paul uses the same phrase again, that phrase, supply what was lacking. He uses it again in a different way. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 2, 24, Paul says to the Colossian church. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. Paul says that what he was doing in prison, what he was doing with the gospel in telling other people about the gospel was supplying what was missing in the sufferings of Christ. I've puzzled about that much of my life. I grew up in church I was, you know, like, I think when I was days old, I was in church. My teeth marks are on the pews, I'm sure. In fact, I tell people, I try not to tell too many people this, but here we go. I actually, you know, some kids wet the bed. I wet the pew. I mean, that's how much I was in church. I would fall asleep as a kid in church on the pew. And a couple of times, things happened right? And uh, thankfully, when we moved to a new church about five years ago, and they reupholstered all the pews. So the evidence is forever gone that 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 ever happened. But I mean, I grew up in church. I I was in church constantly. And I've been told from the very beginning that the work of Christ is the sufficient payment for the sins of the world. And I believe it with all my heart. But Paul says in Colossians 1.24 that his sufferings, his work for the gospel was filling up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. And I've tried to imagine what could possibly be lacking in the sacrifice of Christ. And what I believe Paul is saying, and I believe what Paul is saying here is connected to what he says regarding Epaphroditus, that Christ does not appear to every person on planet Earth to explain to them the work that he did on the cross. Christ came one time. But in Romans chapter 10, we're told that Christ has commissioned people to go and take the gospel. You see, everybody on planet Earth comes hardwired with the knowledge of God. But they don't have the knowledge of the gospel. That requires people to tell the good news. Romans chapter 10. How beautiful are the feet of them that take the good? How shall people hear? Unless one be sent and go and tell. And so Paul says that his work in the gospel was actually supplying the missing piece. What's the missing piece? It's got nothing to do with the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice. Because Christ's sacrifice is sufficient to save anyone who will come. The Bible tells us that. So it's got nothing to do with the sufficiency of the sacrifice. It has everything to do with announcing the message. And Paul says, what's missing? What's missing? In this whole dynamic, what's missing? What's missing is people to go and tell. And that is why I say what Janet and I are doing, even what you're doing in your community with your neighbors, in sharing the gospel, is filling up what's lacking. It's the missing piece. People to go and tell, explaining the good news of what Christ has done, and seeing men, women, boys and girls of all ages come to know the good news of what Christ has done. So please pray for us as we go. To share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people of uh South Africa. And I know we've only just had a brief time together, but it's been great to meet you folks. And I love what God is doing here. Pastor Ken's been coming out to us and telling us about this school he meets in, and then that school he meets in, and then another school that he meets in. And now you just went ahead and bought a school. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I, I get it. It works. I love what God's doing here. I've been blessed to worship together with you. Thanks so much for having us. Do stop by the table when we're finished, and we'd love to chat a little bit more with you. So thanks for having us,
0: brother. All right. Thank you, Herb. We're glad that you guys could be with us. I I just want to share quickly before Billy comes up that uh, immediately, uh, when we, we got the link for your video and preparing to show that this morning was impressed with your intentional approach, you know, a three-pronged approach of how you're going to carry out your mission there. And I uh, thought it was very appropriate that we could hear about that in this class where we're talking about how we take an intentional approach to accomplish the mission that God's given us here as a church together. So thanks again for being with us. I encourage you all, uh, stop by the table after our class today. Herb and Janet will be there. Say hi, get, get to uh, meet them personally, and uh, perhaps you can pick up a prayer card and maybe even sign up for their prayer letter. All right, with that, Billy's going to come and uh, go over some principles of finance that uh, will help us partner in ministry here.
2: Thanks, Larry. What a blessing it is to have the, the hunters here. And I couldn't, I just, I just appreciated the emphasis as this morning, it's about 20 degrees, and I'm packing two kids in the car under three years old, and you know how easy that is. But uh, thinking about this garden route, in this coast, I just thought was uh, was great, and thank you for painting that picture. Um, one thing to to tie in um, what the hunters are doing is our responsibility from a financial standpoint, and that's what we're going to talk about. If you have your books in front of you, we're looking at page six. We're talking about the financial philosophy, reporting, and structure. But we have a responsibility as a congregation um, to fund our missionaries, and that's one thing that is uh, a significant priority in what we do as a church. Uh, and, and if we lack there and we don't have the right priorities that Lord has given to us in his uh, scripture, then we're not funding in the right way that we should be, and we're not finding the success that we want to find um, spread in the gospel. So if you look at the introduction there, another priority of the church is acting responsibly with the resources that we've been given. For instance, the Bible suggests the importance of financial responsibility in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 16 through 21. And I'd like to take you halfway down that and have an emphasis on verses 19 through 21. I'm going to read that to you. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer, in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. And just under that, Paul wanted the financial transactions between the churches to be conducted in a way that showed in two things there. And I would underline that we believe in, as a church, is integrity and avoided criticism. As CBC, you see that we take great pains to conduct our finances in that same care, as it's very important um, that we do that. Our philosophy is to fund the biblical mission through our local church, and we seek to accomplish that through these priorities, as we spoke about earlier. And, and you see the bullet points here, providing the expense, expenses of our church. Obviously, we got to make sure that we're maintaining our, our local church family here, but also taking care of our staff and our families. We believe, and in in, we're not being overly confident here, we believe that we, want, we have one of the best staff when it comes to putting up against anybody. We believe we have one of the best staffs here. And, and with that, we want to make sure that we're taking care of them and their families. Supporting our missionaries, and that's very important to us. Investing in church planting and being benevolent to those in need as we build in this community, making sure that we're there. We're a support system for not only just the folks that attend here, but this community as well. Reporting with transparency as we continue to go, to, go down. The church's financial information is always open to our membership. Our stewardship of church finances starts with an annual budget that is initiated by our leadership and approved by the congregation in the fourth quarter of each year. As we just passed that up, we just went over our third quarter, um, and as well as our budget that we have for the year of 2017. Um, In all of the years that I've been here, it's been it's been amazing to see the Lord's work in this church, in this congregation, and as new folks come and, and we grow. We always seem to make our budget work, and it works very, very well, and we're able to hit on all of these priorities that we have as a church, making sure that we're doing Lord's work. The treasurer will report on the con- of the, to the congregation each quarter throughout the year regarding the progress of the funding of our ministry expenses. The spending is governed by our approved budget where the leadership team gets together, and that's how we make our decisions on how we spend our money. All financial information is given to the church's CPA on a quarterly basis for review and to prepare financial statements for the church membership. And if you're new to the membership, we always have our church financial family meetings. Our next one will be coming up in a few months here where we'll go over that fourth quarter and how we ended the year of 2016 when it came to our budget. A couple of things to note there um, because we always get these questions is in regards to giving. There's two ways that we can give, and one of them is relatively new as we get with the times. But one, you can always physically give, right? As, as the folks come and we pass the basket and we give to that. And if you ever wanted um, giving letters or get it, giving envelopes, we have those available on the website. You can get those and print those off. Um, but that's one way, and that's been a common way. But another way, which is relatively new, is we can give online now. You know, and, and Larry, what a blessing it is to have this guy that's very good with social media being a part of our church. But as you can see that we have pulled up here, this is our homepage uh, of our website. And if you go to this website, you can see on um, the bottom right in green there roughly it says offerings. And if you click on that, there's a couple of things that you can locate there. You can locate these envelopes. You can locate how to give online. And you can make that reoccurring. And it will just, it can take it right out of your bank, whatever you want to do, but you can do that online and it's a beautiful thing. Um, Another thing you can do there is you can locate your statements, your financial statements. So a lot of folks are gearing up for tax uh, season. I saw Freya. She was very excited this morning that it was tax season. Um, And we shared in that enjoyment. And that's just something I guess accountancy degree folks share that enjoyment for. Some people will know. Some people are not excited. (laughs) But if you go over to the next page, page seven. Just to continue on to co- touch on a couple of things and we'll get Wayne up here. Um, accountability and structure. The following positions on our financial team were created, and to underline their proper separation of duties to ensure necessary checks and balances with our church finances. It's important that we have a separation of duties when handling the church's finance to make sure that there's nothing that's wrong that's going on, and that there's a there's a combination of folks that are working together. A couple of those being the treasurer delivering those quarterly statements, but um, also our counters, who are the folks that collect all of that money and they count it and make sure that we have the the amounts and and that it's deposited into the bank and that the bank is depositing the accurate amounts by what we counted. It's important, and and it's a blessing to have the gentlemen that help us out with that, um, as well as Freya and making sure that all of our checks are paid on time uh, and that we have the accurate funds allocated for everything that we do. The next point, very, very important, is confidentiality. Our financial team strives to maintain integrity and full disclosure, as Paul talked about in Corinthians, in our accounting of the church's finances, but will also insist on complete confidentiality for individuals' giving. And these two points here, um, I can't talk about them enough, but each church member has access to their giving records from our church website, which is secure from anyone else having access to them. So as long as you're not sharing your passwords and your username... Okay, You can log into the church's website and you can go to that offerings page and you can locate your own financial statements that shows how much you've given in the entire year. You can go right now. Some of those folks want to get their taxes done earlier. You can go and get that done. Now, we will be sending them out in the mail, your, your statements, your year-end statements that shows how much you give and how much you can write off on the taxes. That's tax deductible. That will be coming out in the last week of January, so you can expect to get that. But if you want to get out ahead of the game, you can go um, and access those online. The second point here, which is a very important point, is the pastoral staff has no involvement in any, funct- in any function in handling of the church's finances. This is also includes no knowledge of a member's giving record. So our pastoral staff has no clue who gives what. They have no clue whose family is giving what. No, no clue who is giving more or less. Nothing. They know none of that because um, it, it's not important. What's important is knowing that we prepare a budget. And our congregation comes together and we meet that budget and we are able to, by by the Lord's blessing, spread the gospel. And we're able to do one way we do that is provide the funding for what's important to us and what's important to the Lord's work. The financial statements, as we just spoke about, um, is there and, and you will have those out in the end of January. But also personal stewardship as the last point, And then we'll have Wayne come up here in an effort to assist and educate our members with the handling of their personal finances in a God honoring way, we encourage all to take advantage of resource materials in our resource center, including financial principles taught in a crown biblical financial study. Um, so to that point, a lot of times we get questions on, well, Bill, how much am I supposed to give? I know it used to say this, it says this, I don't know, I don't know if I can, if I can do that. Um, the encouragement here is one we have resources not only in books that are in the financial center or in the center um, with the books, a resource center. We also have our pastoral staff that is always open and talking about this, such as Larry, such as um, Pastor Ken, that you can speak to and talk about that. But also, a significant emphasis on prayer. Sometimes we we when we pray, it's, we maybe not always pray for financial um, clarity from from the Lord, and He can help provide that clarity when it comes to your finances, wherever you be in life, and what you, what it, He is calling you to do in regards to finances and helping fund the uh, the local church, which is obviously a greater mission than just the local community. Those are your finances.
0: Thanks, Billy. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to walk us through that. A couple things I just want to highlight. Um, That giving page that you saw there is from our public site. And uh, the link there, there's a button that says Click to Give, and that takes you to a secure service, our our, um, merchant services uh, service that we use called PushPay. And that's you know that's uh, secure and it's a company that specializes in online transactions for churches, so they handle that for us in a secure way. To get to things like your giving statement or um, to order envelopes, that's something you would have to log into MyCBC. So on that front page, yeah, you see the front page there. Uh, just toward the bottom, there MyCBC. It's got the little plug there. That's the link to get to the MyCBC members login page. You would log in there, and once you're logged in. Uh, you'd be able to use the order form to order. I mentioned business cards last week. If you wanted to share invitation cards to give out to people to visit CBC or be your guest here, order envelope, uh, giving envelopes are also one thing you can order there. And then if you go to your profile, click on the finances tab, you can look up your giving statement. And uh, we actually every year put a tutorial, a video tutorial, on the website. <laughs> we'll probably send a link out to that soon. It is getting to tax season, and if you want to be ahead of it. Rather than wait for your statement to get mailed to you, you can go in and download it, and it'll actually let you choose deductible only, or if you want to know everything that you gave, including like purchasing tickets to events and books, you can even get that uh, record there as well. But that's all behind our members section. You've got to log in. You may be wondering, how do I log in? We're going to send you an email this week, Um, anyone who doesn't have a login in our system, Uh, so that you can set one up, because in the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about ways that you can use that to be engaged and serving here at CBC. Uh, If you already have a login, you may be wondering, I still don't know how to log in. Uh, There's a button you can click that says, I forgot my login there. And uh, it's not automated. Uh, I think it's not automated. It used to be manual. We would get an email, uh, several of us who administrate the site, and as soon as we could, we'd return instructions and a link for you. They may have actually automated that recently, so I'll have to check on that. But either way, click that link, follow the instructions, and we'll get you logged in. And that'd be great if you could do that after you get an email about that this week. And then by the time we're ready to go over some of those principles in the coming two weeks, you'll have had a chance to get logged in. You can actually do—you can log in on your phone while we talk about these things if you've got a smartphone here in the service and uh, be able to watch and try those things out for yourselves. So that's that's uh, the two things I want to highlight with the uh, finances is some of those features that were mentioned um, need to be done on the member's site, myCBC. The other thing was, um, this is just funny, uh, Billy mentioned under confidentiality that the staff has no idea what anybody's giving. Uh, I just wanted to mention, we've got this new online giving thing, and me being the geek that I am, I've been very involved in setting that up. I had somebody come to me not long after we set that up and say hey did could you see what did my gift go through and they i think they were assuming that i can see when all that happens but we use the same confidentiality with our online giving that we do uh in our give traditional giving here in the service we have a team our counting team manages all that even online so none of the staff sees any of the online giving that's all managed by our finance team and as billy said that's wisely set up with a variety of members doing different functions. So they all serve as checks and accountability on each other to to ensure that we've got uh, a system that has integrity with it. So with that, then, I've eaten into our uh, security coordinator's time by two minutes. Hopefully he goes easy on me. <laughs> so, Wayne, thanks for coming. Talk to us about security.
3: Billy, I, I, I could tell that you're pretty excited about tax season. I just want you to know... I do not share your enthusiasm, right? <laughs> Uh For some of you that don't know me, my name is Wayne Albright. This uh, security and being the head of security kind of fits, uh, was a good fit for me as a ministry. I've been a police officer for 23 years now. Uh, so many, many years back, as we saw our church growing back when we only were around 50, uh, we saw the need to have something like this. And if you want to look on page 8... Um, you know, We have a mission statement for our security team, and basically that is to maintain the general safety and security of our church and its members and guests. Uh, and that's very broad and very general because uh, we do, do a lot, uh, but it's behind the scenes, and hopefully no one will ever, ever actually have to see us in action. Uh, but we have about uh, a dozen men in the church that are on our security team. And, again, their, their duties range in a wide variety of areas, and, and you can see that our security team is broken into two different areas. It's the safety of our church but also the child protection. Um, and it's important that people come to church, uh, especially visitors and, and people that are coming new, and the point is to come and to be able to sit and worship and not worry and wonder, where's my child uh, what's going on? Are they safe? Are, are the people that are watching my children, are they qualified? Uh, all the questions that really you don't want to go through people's minds. You want them to be able to concentrate on what's being said uh, here at the pulpit. And so we've tried to take that in consideration. Um, for those of you who have been around for a while, you knew last year we even had a, uh, an emergency evacuation drill. A fire drill, and we've done these every uh, every so often. I think we've done a couple of them over the last several years, uh, and that's twofold. A fire drill is to is to actually see how the security team will work in action, uh, if it were really to happen. Are they do they remember where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to do in a crisis? But it's also to show the the guests and to show uh, our visitors and to show our congregation uh, that we've got everything under control, that your children are safe. Uh, that you will meet them outside. Uh, when we did our fire drill, uh, everybody uh, worked pretty good and very calm. Um, but we know in a real situation, the people that act up and, and are, uh, are worry about things are adults. Um, they're the ones we have trouble with. The kids, they don't. They don't. Fire drills are no big deal to them. Lockdown drills are no big deal to children because they deal with them in school all the time and they cooperate very well. It's the adults that we have problems with. All right, so we do these fire drills to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Uh, we also have uh, an area in our church for inclement weather. If for uh, during bad weather season a tornado starts coming through and we get the alerts that we need to take shelter, uh, we have that already positioned in the very interior of our building, which is the old library. It's the junior high uh, section. That's the safest place in our building. That's where everybody will go to, including the children. doesn't matter if they're in rooms. Uh, Most of our exterior rooms have windows, which is dangerous in inclement weather, Uh, including the lobby out here. If, If you've ever looked above, you can see that we're surrounded by glass uh, when, you're, when you're in the lobby area and in the cafe community. So we have a place that everyone goes, and that's important for you to know. Uh, if the security team starts directing you that way, that's where everybody will go. Uh, we have a general meeting place out in front by our sign out on Benson and that's if the place was ever evacuated that's where everyone would go and your children are going to meet you out there you don't have to worry about your children uh, as I mentioned we have about 12 members on our security team each one of them has a designated room that they go to and as a matter of fact the smaller rooms uh, with our 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 infants and our toddlers, uh, we have scheduled three or four gentlemen that go there to assist the workers in the room in getting your children out of the building safely and reuniting you outside if that ever were to happen. Uh, and then we also have, uh, unfortunately, lockdown drills. Uh, it's something that's not fun to talk about, but it's the reality that we live in in today's society. You only have to go on online and look at church assaults or church shootings um, and you will spend the rest of the evening reading stories about... Uh devastating things that happen in churches across America. Uh, and they do happen, and we have to be prepared for them uh, to to pretend and think that it couldn't happen in our churches just to be naive, uh, and so we don't want to be that way. So we have those type of issues under control. Uh, lockdown procedures, again, our security team knows exactly what to do. If there ever were somebody that came in here to be disruptive or to cause harm to anyone, uh, we have that taken care of. Now, as I mentioned Uh, We have uh, our security is twofold, and this child protection policy is just as important as everything else we've talked about. The safety of our children is of utmost importance, but we also have a mission statement for that also. You know, opportunities to teach and supervise children and our youth, it's a privilege that's offered by Community Bible Church. And as a church, we believe that nurturing the spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being of children is vital. Uh, and so we just don't let anybody come into our church and teach our children. Uh, there are rules that are put into place, and these are important rules. Um, if we had none, again, this is something that's, that's tough to talk about, but we live in an evil society. We live in a sinful world, and there are people that actually try to come to church for the sole purpose of exploiting children. Okay, that's just one area that they do it. Uh, and it's again, it's it's a tough topic to talk about. We do we do talk about it in more detail when we go through our training, but this is why we put these procedures in place: is to avoid these type of dis, uh, situations with our children. We want visitors. We want our regular members to know your children are absolutely safe here. Why? Because we've put in a number of steps in our process to make sure that that happens. One of which is we have a six-month rule. Uh, if you're a new member here, which some of you may be coming to the classes and being, uh, we have a, a membership that needs to be qualified. You need to be qualified to be a member and also be here for six months before you can work with our children. And that avoids somebody coming into the church and within a couple of weeks saying, hey, I'd, I'd love to work in the youth ministry. Can I get in and start working with kids? There are a lot of churches out there, unfortunately, that are thro- uh, that are striving to get people to work it's an and it's a ministry that's always needed and so there are there are churches out there that will just say great come on without any checks and balances, without looking into that person, uh, and this is the, what we're trying to avoid, somebody coming into the church quickly, under the radar, and taking advantage of our children. So we have that six-month rule. You go through our membership classes. We know your, uh, your profession of faith. We've seen you here for six months. Um, and then you have to go through our child protection classes. That's a, a about a two-hour class, but we have a video that you watch. We do a lot of extra training. And uh, you go through a background check. And, uh, that's again, we talk about confidentiality with other things. This is in strict confidence, too. Uh, nobody sees these reports, but um, I run these background checks and get a yes or no. You're cleared or you're not cleared to work with our children. Um, and thank thank Lord that we've never had a problem. Everyone that's that's working with our children now obviously has cleared the background check. And um, and so that's that's a big part of it. But it's important. We It's a ministry that's needed, uh, working with our children. But we have one of those rules. One of the other rules that we have is called the two-adult rule or the rule of three. Uh, whenever possible, we never have an adult in a classroom with just a child um, because we want to even avoid even the appearance of anything wrong. Not that something would be going wrong, but we want to avoid that appearance of anything wrong. So we have a two-adult rule, which involves the the head teacher, which is an adult, 18 years or older, and our youth, a lot of our youth actually work with our our kids' ministries, which is great. They're not the lead teacher, but they are an assistant, and they that counts as that second adult in a room. Uh, and then we also have the rule three. Right? The rule of three goes if there's only one adult there, there must be at least two children ages five and above in the room. Uh, so many times two children will come to the junior high area, and as long as there's two of them, the teacher and those two children can be in that junior high room together, and that meets our rules. Again, we're always wanting to avoid that one-on-one uh, individual alone time with a child to avoid that appearance of any type of wrongdoing okay uh and it goes to uh that applies to bringing people to church um many many years back i had to stop a, a individual who meant no harm he actually uh meant something good by bringing children to church and driving them to activities and the the idea was great but unfortunately he was breaking our rule because we don't want a, a an adult male driving a child to an event here at church all right. And so one of our rules is if it's an adult, male or female, that's driving children to an, to an activity, you either have to have your spouse with you or other children. Your children have to be in accompaniment with that child. All right. So, again, we're trying to avoid that one-on-one time with a child uh, just to avoid any type of impropriety. Um, our time is almost up. Uh, if there's any quick questions, we only have a couple minutes. That can kind of comprises our safety and security. Again, if you're interested in um, in working with our children, we'd love to have you. Uh, we have the um, if you if you take the class, it's online now, I believe, because we've taped it a couple times. You can actually watch it online. You might want to talk about that in a second. And um, and we have some paperwork that you fill out. You do the background check, and then we can get you into a place of ministry with our children, which is always needed uh, and always appreciated too. All right. Larry, thank you.
0: Thank you, Wayne, for uh, making it work, even though I ate some of your time. <laughs> I'm not in trouble in that way. Uh, we did, at the end of the year, just want to uh, mention um, that we, if you all remember, if you work with the children's ministry in any aspect here at CBC, we had kind of a, a reset to make sure the class had been, had gone through a little bit of updating And we encourage everybody who works in our children's ministry to attend. And many who weren't able to have since watched the video that we've put online. Um, One of the things we need to do to make sure that our records are complete with who has gone through that, uh, the updated class, is you should have either, when you attended, we collected at the end of the event what's called a Child Protection Policy Acknowledgement Form. If you've watched the video since then, uh, we had emailed a link, and on the page there was a place to download that form that you could sign it and then turn it into us. Perhaps you've watched the video and have not turned that form in. We'd love to get that from you. Uh, I was going to mention, you know, Wayne went through all of these details of this, of this well-thought-out policy we have that protects both our children's workers and our children, but that policy only works if we actually abide by it. And so if we have somebody, whether or not they've been here for years working in the children's ministry, but we have an updated class and they haven't gone through it and completed the paperwork, uh, if we don't require them to do that, then we have a, a hard time, because we're inconsistent, requiring other people to do that. So if you're not sure that you've turned in that child protection policy acknowledgement form in the last three months since we've had the new class, Uh, You can see myself or Tim or Wayne, Tim Robinson or Wayne, and uh, we can check our records to make sure you have. And if not, we can get you the form. And uh, maybe you haven't been getting the emails. Some of you, we've got just a handful of folks who still need to respond to that. Uh, Maybe you haven't gotten it. If if this doesn't sound familiar to you and you work in the children's ministry, come and see us and let us know. And we can make sure that uh, you get the proper training and uh, the most recent and that we get all the paperwork in line. So thank you all for uh, coming back again this week and staying for second hour. This this may seem mundane, but it's all a part of the intentional approach we take here at CBC. We're serious about the mission God's given us, and we want to be all of one mind in lockstep, marching forward together to accomplish the the work God's given us to do. And uh, with that in mind, next week I look forward to spending time with you. We're going to actually talk about our mission statement, and the different ministries we have in place and the the way our calendar and our weekly schedule is is actually built to help us accommodate or accomplish our mission. And then on the heels of that, our final week, we'll actually take a look at our community service ministry and some very practical steps you can be taking to make sure you're involved and uh, that you're using the gifts and talents God's given you to accomplish the mission together. Let's close our time today with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for these servants, uh, Billy and Wayne, and for the Hunter family as well, who've, who've come today and spent time discussing with us um, how they've surrendered the gifts and abilities you've given them to be used to accomplish the mission. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful to uh, follow their example. I pray that uh, we would allow the grace that you have uh, freely shed abroad in our lives to flow through us, to the community in which you've placed us. Help us to be engaged in the mission you've given us as a church and uh, thereby glorifying you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. We'll see you next week.